This episode is presented by Minnesota's very own Ticket King. For tickets for an upcoming game or concert, visit TicketKingOnline.com or a quick link from the 1500ESPN.com sports calendar page. TicketKingOnline.com, 612-341-4141. The following is a Podcast One Minnesota production. I can't tell you how much I enjoyed saying touch them all. Way back and gone. Touch them all, Joe Maurer. And now these guys are making it relevant to this year's Twins. It's a beautiful game, Now our two resident hardball nerds will attempt to touch them all on the week's news surrounding the Twins in MLB. I didn't know they still had a team. That's baseball. Here's Phil Mackey and Derek Wetmore. All right, all right, another episode of the Touch 'em All podcast. This one with both of us, Phil Mackey and Derek Wetmore, Hammond Stadium, Fort Myers, birds chirping, uh, grounds crew members watering grass. It's where the Touch 'em All podcast was meant to be recorded. It was born, yes, to be recorded here. I remember last year, Phil, we were hanging out in that side field down on field six. We recorded a podcast in the dugout, and we thought, how cool is this? We can take podcasts on the road. And now we're huddled up in a press box. I'm wearing my hat and sunglasses so as to avoid the sun uh, that that might be leaking in under the under the press box roof. You had like a full windbreaker on yes. this morning. Uh, socks with loafers, which is kind of a <laughs> yes. fashion faux pas. That's not true. Full pants with the hat pulled down and the sunglasses. The last week and SPF 45 <laughs> yeah, that you bathed in for three hours before showing up to the ballpark. Okay, I cop to that. But last week I was standing watching bullpens and a pitcher got done with his, he was running his poles out in the outfield and he comes back, walks in front of me, uh, standing there with my arms crossed and my windbreaker on and he goes, dude, you know it's like 80 degrees, right? I was like, yes. Very well aware I'm keeping the sun off me. I'm, I'm a chicken, is what it amounts to. <laughs> so you don't get any, at no point will you lay out and and soak in rays or, or go to the beach and yeah, show uh, off your uh, your dad bod, which you don't have. You, you, you don't have any fat on you because you eat, you eat salads with no, with no dressing. Somebody was talking yesterday about uh, what, when's the ideal time for me to go to the beach, and I said, oh, there are lots of times, and most of them are after the sun has set. <laughs> That's my, that's my beach-going plan. So let's dive right into this. I want to talk about the daunting challenge that Derek Falvey and Thad Levine face with not just turning around a 103-loss franchise and a franchise that has lost more games in six years than all but one team, the Houston Astros, who've since bounced back the last couple of years. The pitching they have to fix is, I'll bet if you took the nine-year post-Johan Santana stretch of Twins pitching and compared it in the last 50 years to every other non-Colorado Rockies team's worst nine-year stretch. Sure. It would be in the mix for worst nine-year stretches, so almost a decade-long stretch of pitching. Let me just list off some of the facts in the in the post-Johan Santana era, and this is the, the uphill, mountainous climb that these two front office gurus yeah. face in trying to repair the pitching staff. In that post-Johan Santana era... Twin starters have allowed 500 more hits than any other starting staff in in the American League and 150 more runs than any other American League team. No AL team over that stretch has a higher ERA. The Twin starters have an almost 5 ERA over that stretch. 5? Almost 5. It's like 480. Over that time? Yes. And that's almost a decade stretch. 
and and most of that stretch was pitching friendly. A lot of teams pumping out sub four ERAs collectively. Uh, and no American League team over that stretch has fewer strikeouts, which isn't that surprising. They haven't had power arms. Yeah. Only one American League team has allowed more home runs. And of the 27 starting pitchers the Twins have used to throw in at least 50 innings, so uh, of some kind of a sample size, how many of those 27 would you guess have an ERA over that stretch better than league average? Uh, well, did you say how many starters there are, just so I know? 27. 27 and... How many of them are better than league average? I'm probably overthinking this, but there has to have been a handful uh, of that 27 with 50 innings or more. Depends on what your hand looks like. (laughs) Okay. Okay. (laughs) I guess I was going to say four. Four starting pitchers over that time. Two. Okay. Wow. Irvin Santana, who's been good, Mm -hmm. and Scott Baker, who I always argue was underrated. Scott Baker gave up a lot of home runs, but I agree. Was uh, and then of course the draft pick whiffs, and so they're not they're not just coming in and oh let's let's see what we have and just try and sort of upgrade the pitching. It's whoa, let's take something that for nine years has been systematically terrible compared to the other 29 teams and let's somehow turn it into in the next three to five years a powerhouse pitching staff well and there are a couple ways you can do that maybe this is where this is going to dovetail but the reason that i advocated so strongly for trading dozier this winter isn't because i don't like brian dozier it's because i just don't see the twins outspending other teams for the top free agents and I haven't seen them draft a guy who's going to be at the top of their rotation. You know, Tyler J. maybe, Barrios maybe, but I don't really see Barrios in the same sentence as like a Jake Arrieta, Clayton Kershaw, Chris Sale, these dominant aces. I see him in sort of that next tier if everything goes according to plan for him. Or, or like he gets the breaks and everything like that. Um, so like you need to get that top end starting pitching. You need to get your Chris Sales, your Jose Quintanas, whatever. And I I just don't see it happening through the draft necessarily. Um, so that only leaves trades. And I think at some point the Twins are going to have to trade uh, position players for pitchers if they want to help correct this uh, nine-year stretch that you're outlining here. Yeah, it's the, the post-Johan era where you thought Francisco Liriano coming out of Tommy John surgery and he'd bounce back, and he sure. had the one good year in 2010. Um, but then you kept hearing names like Alex Wimmers and Kyle Gibson and yeah. and guys like that. Um, it, Shooter, uh, Shooter, Shooter Hunt. Hunt. Carlos Gutierrez. Kyle, uh, Cole Stewart right now. Throw him on that list too. You should challenge me to a Twins draft pick bust name off right no, now and see what, see what goes down. <laughs> I would probably lose. You've covered more drafts than I have. Um, it has. We, we had Dave St. Peter on our radio show today, and he reiterated we're probably never going to be one of the top payroll teams in baseball. And it's it's always bothered me that a lot of fans think the reason for the Twins' failures is because they don't spend with the top teams in baseball. I think we have to get over some of these things that just aren't going to change. Every owner's a billionaire. So if if one owner decided to go to his pockets and pull out, you know, from his personal checking account to pay a free agent, then other owners would be able to maybe do the same thing. But they, they don't. They operate within the constraints of their market, within the constraints of their T V deal. And so my biggest criticism on this podcast, and you've you've heard it a million times, is the lack of sort of 
innovative approach to acquiring talent. And if you look in your own backyard, and you're the Twins, the Indians just went to the World Series, mm-hmm. almost won the World Series, went to a Game 7. The Royals went to back-to-back World Series. They won it a couple of years ago. And the way they acquired their pitching has nothing to do with finances, nothing to do with go get the best free agent starter. In fact, the Royals traded Zach Greinke. Mm-hmm. They didn't spend $30 million a year on Zach Greinke in free agency. They traded Zach Greinke a handful of years ago. The Cleveland Indians over the past 10 years have traded Cliff Lee for Carlos Carrasco, who's now a centerpiece in their rotation. They traded CeCe Sabathia for Matt Laporta, who wound up being a bust, but the Royals and the Indians have found ways, and Derek Falvey was part of the DNA and and the blueprint in Cleveland, to acquire pitching through multiple different avenues while also operating bottom half of the league in payroll. Those are your blueprints right in your backyard. Yeah. Go find uh, go find Corey Kluber at age 25 struggling at AAA for the Padres and go develop him into the best pitcher in baseball. Get lucky, too. Yeah. Danny Salazar was a 16-year-old international free agent signing in 2008 for the Indians. He's now one of the better starting pitchers in the American League. Uh, the Royals, Danny Duffy was a third-round pick. Edinson Volquez was a bargain bin free agent. Mm-hmm. Irvin Santana, they got for almost nothing in a trade with the Angels after he had like a five and a half ERA. Mm-hmm. So to, to sit here and look at those two teams and how they fixed their pitching and built their pitching and keep referencing payroll, I think is misguided on behalf of a lot of Twins fans and people who are out there, media and, and whoever's commentating. Pitching is so tricky to nail down that I don't even think you know, I don't think some of the best evaluators in the game would be able to tell you in 10 years who's going to have the best starting rotation. Literally no idea. It's like picking stocks. I mean, um, maybe that's a bad metaphor, so I'll abandon it before I explain it. But <laughs> the way the way I look at starting pitching, Phil, is like... That was premature evaluation. You can... I see what you did there. <laughs> you can hope, right? I mean, you can sit and cross your fingers and say, all right. Come on, no whammies, no whammies. Come on, uh, Tyler J, surface to the big leagues and have that wipeout slider and your good spin rate and post great numbers as a top of the rotation workhorse uh, from the left side. You can hope that that's going to happen, and there's a certain percent chance that it will happen, and there's also a certain percent chance that he'll never pitch in the big leagues. Like, that's the continuum. That's a pretty wide range of outcomes. The same would have been true if you want to go back retroactively and look at it of like Randy Johnson it's possible that in you know a different universe or things played out differently Randy Johnson's never a big league contributor well that's not how it panned out he's a hall of famer Pedro Martinez is a hall of famer but uh you know Dylan Bundy's an example that I use from my time in Baltimore the whole talk was there's I mean there's Steven Strasburg and then there's Dylan Bundy and after them, and maybe Mark Pryor. And besides that, there's never been a pitching prospect like this. These guys are, you know, can't miss. You are dealing with the cream of the crop here. And, like, Dylan Bundy, I mean, there's still some upside, but you don't talk about him as, like, the first ballot Hall of Famer right now. You're kind of like, well, we'll see how his career pans out. Um, all of that is just to sort of illustrate a larger point that pitching is so difficult to nail down, and... Even if you get a Corey Kluber at 25, like you're saying, and you think you see something there, well, what's the percentage chance that he turns into an ace? Probably not very high. 
But can you, if you're the twins, put in some kind of system, some kind of uh, mechanism or o overall organizational philosophy? Process. A process is a perfect word for it. That takes that guy from a from a 14% chance to be a number two starter to a 27% chance. Yes. I mean, and that's a huge difference. It might sound to listeners like that's, I'm just kind of making up these like small little differences. But if you multiply that difference across 50 different pitchers every single year, you're talking about not only compounding return, but also the possibility that Okay, this guy who maybe previously wouldn't have been a contributor without this process now becomes a big league regular or even, you know, a mid-rotation starter or top of the rotation starter. Yeah, it's, it's, a, it's a volume game. It's a long it's, climb. It's, but it's volume a, and process. Yes. And then, just to piggyback off what you're saying, sure. maybe everything you just laid out, maybe that only, quote-unquote, lands you an extra three quality pitchers over a five- or six-year stretch. That could be the difference between... 88 wins and 94, or yeah. or 85 wins and 95, or, depending on who those pitchers are. Or 59 wins and 79 70. wins. Yeah, like sure. if we're talking, it, I I'll still contend this, and I've got I've been getting like a lot of feedback that I'm being too positive about the Twins right now, which I think is a little surprising because I've been negative about them for about 365 days now. I I think I was the only one who was saying well, that's not true. Bill Miller was saying last spring training. But last spring training, I was saying, guys, I know you all want to talk about the Twins as like a postseason team and who do they match up well with after they won 83 games. But 83 games is not very good. That's not, like, this team's not there. They haven't made it. They haven't shown me that they're a consistent contender. I didn't pick 100 losses, but I wasn't very rosy on them. And now this year, people are saying, oh, you're a little bit, you're, you know, you're too positive. One of the positive things that I'll say uh, kind of just to irk the critics, is that... Hey guys, before we continue on with the rest of this Touch em All podcast, it's Phil Mackey here for all of you Twin Cities area listeners to tell you about Luther Brookdale Toyota. 694 and Brooklyn Boulevard is the location. My family and I have been going to this car dealership and service department for three plus decades and there's a reason for that. It's the best in the business, the smartest and friendliest people in the business. They'll treat you like family. So find out why my family and I have been going to the same dealership and service department for multiple decades, right on the corner of 694 and Brooklyn Boulevard, LutherBrookdaleToyota.com. If the Twins had, you know, two starting pitchers last year that were better than... Pat Dean and Alex Myers uh, and uh, Alex Wimmers and and Tyler Duffy through however many innings with a 6-5 ERA. Like, if the Twins had two legitimate starting pitchers to add to that group, they're not losing anywhere close to 100 games. Things just snowballed on the team last year, and uh, you could add two, like, capable starting pitchers. It's a vastly different year. So, to your point, like... Yeah, they could be small incremental changes. And if it only adds three reasonable pitchers, even if they're relievers over the next five years, that's a tangible difference. It really makes a difference. From what you can tell, because you've been down here now for, what, two weeks, week and a half or so? Yeah. Somewhere like that. So it, it, we're going to get our first taste of games. We're recording this on a Tuesday. Their first game is on Friday night at Hammond Stadium. So we haven't actually – we've seen some live batting practice sessions, but nothing – Nothing really meaningful in terms of game action. Sure. But you spent some time around the new front office and different players. 
in terms of pitching philosophies and big picture blueprints and all of the things that fall under those categories, what do you think you've learned? That what are some things you've learned being down here in the first couple of weeks that are of substance, not just fluff or talk or or pipe dream? Well, one of the things that it, maybe it's getting a little too much play, but I think it's worth pointing out, if only because it can instruct us about the past, is that Neil Allen's asking pitchers to throw their fastballs for strikes before they work on anything else in a bullpen session. And we talked about this in a video we recorded yesterday, but just quickly for anybody who didn't hear that, you start with glove side fastballs. If you're a, say you're a Phil Hughes, and you've got to hit the catcher's mitt at least three out of five times. Three out of five pitches have to hit the catcher's glove for glove side fastball before you can even move on to your next pitch, which is arm side fastballs. Just move to the other side of the plate. So prove that not only you can throw a strike in the third of the plate that you want to, then prove that you can hit the other side. So you're kind of establishing the corners. It's not it's not reinventing the wheel. You've heard baseball people talk about it forever. I mean, how often does even Burt Blylevin talk about establish the fastball? Mm-hmm. You might think it's trite or like it's a cliche, but you hear it so much because it's true. Pitchers who can establish their fastball and command it where they want to have a significant advantage over those that can't. Uh, so that's, that's one thing that I think is interesting, that... Pitchers like uh, like uh, J.O. Barreos can't start throwing his changeup, even though it's a really good changeup, can't start throwing his breaking stuff until he hits that glove the three out of five times on both sides of the plate. I think that's interesting because it sounds so obvious. It sounds so simple. Like, when I heard that Neil Allen was implementing this, I thought, why wasn't this a thing before? Like, You know, you what? know this, what? I like this. It, it, it will see. Obviously, this is just a small... Uh, morsel of, right. of the process, right. but I just went to Fangraphs as you were laying this out. Zone percentage. So how often do pitching staffs throw a ball in the strike zone? Yeah. Regardless of outcome, regardless of swing and miss, home run, whatever. The Twins were dead last in baseball in zone percentage as a pitching staff. That's surprising. So they threw fewer pitches in the strike zone than any... Now the Cubs were second to last... And you would look at those two pitching staffs and have completely different takeaways. Sure. Jake Arrieta, John Lester, uh, Araldis Chapman eventually. So maybe some teams and organizations are purposely throwing more pitches out of the zone. It just we, we need context to really define this. But if you've determined that you're throwing the fewest number of pitches in the strike zone and you're, and you're doing it without a rhyme or a reason, that's a problem. Mm-hmm. So I almost like that they're starting at the basics. Jose Barrios could stand to learn the most from that drill because yes. look how many times on 3-1 and one and 3-0, and oh, right. he flat out couldn't throw a fastball over the plate to yeah. keep the at-bat alive. I agree with that. I think there are a lot of younger pitchers. and I mean, Tyler Duffy's not that young, but I think that he could uh, benefit from that. Just overall fastball command, and if you don't have command of the fastball, guess what? I don't care how good your curveball is. Big league hitter's not going to be afraid of it. And if you... I mean, Duffy's problem is compounded because he doesn't throw a lot of change-ups, and I've heard from people around the Twins that there were times last year Duffy would go up there and opposing hitters are just like not even worried about the changeup. You could tell it's it's called eliminating a pitch. You probably know about this, but like you'll you'll go up there and if um, if Phil Hughes hasn't thrown his curveball for a strike today, you're not going up as a hitter worried about the curveball. So you're like, okay, it's either going to be a fastball or a cut fastball. So I'll sit on the hard stuff. If he happens to surprise me with a curveball okay, tip my cap to him, but it's such a low percentage chance that I'm just looking fastball, 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 fastball. 
Well, that's a really dangerous spot to be if you're a pitcher, especially on the second time through the order, the third time through the order, when they've already seen your stuff that day. Uh, so anyway, for Duffy, it's tricky. If they eliminate the changeup and you can't establish the fastball, well, then Jose Bautista is going to be sitting back there on his back leg just ready to pounce on a curveball and hit it into the fourth deck. J.O. Barreos, if you can't throw a fastball for strike one and you fall behind the hitter, 1-0, 2-0, you should look at the numbers sometime. If you're listening to this podcast and you're not aware of, I think it was Joe Posnanski wrote a great piece on this. Like, Molitor talks all the time about counts are important because they inform what pitch is about to come. The smartest hitters in the game can say, okay, 3-1. I know this percentage of the time, this guy's going to throw me a fastball. And if it's like 82%, I'm pretty comfortable just saying, all right, four out of five times it's going to be a fastball. I'm swinging as if it's a fastball. That's why you see guys tee off on 3-1. So my point on Boreos is that if you fall behind 2-0 versus even being 1-1 or 0-2, the batting line outcomes, the batting average, the on-base percentage, the slugging percentage is so significantly different. Like you're taking a Hall of Famer and turning him into a minor leaguer if you can get ahead of him. And Boreos couldn't do that a lot last year. Uh, this fastball command drill, I think, will be one of the process things that you're talking about, Phil, that helps younger pitchers recognize, okay, we make it really complicated with a lot of things, setting up hitters and spin rate and all of this stuff. Mm-hmm. Honestly, if you boil it down to its basic mechanics of, well, try to stay healthy and throw a lot of strikes, and if you can, get swings and misses, you're going to be a really good major league pitcher. Start with the fastball and work from there. Yeah, I, we had Ryan Presley on the radio yesterday too, and he just kind of conceded. I can't remember what the question was. It was you know what are some of the. I'm pl- sure it was great. It was an amazing fantastic, question. Clearly, fantastic. just drawing out great answers. <laughs> just an expert question asker. Right. And and I, I think I asked him you know what are some of the new processes that these guys have you implementing, and he explained that's where the 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 four-seam, hit the four-seam fastball spots conversation kind of started yesterday. And he said, honestly, as an organization, we're clearly doing something wrong from a pitching perspective because look how how bad we've been. Wow. We lost a, or he might have said more generally, we lost 103 games. Obviously, it's not just unlucky. And that goes for the last six or seven years. I think in a vacuum, as you're going through year by year and game by game, and you're evaluating pitching on the twin side of things, there tends to be a little bit of a defensive nature. Well, no, it's just this. Well, if we did this or this. Sure. Well, when How you go- many times has a pitcher been just one or two pitches away from yeah. a good game when you went four innings and gave up five runs? Right. You know, if he just could have done this in the fifth oh, inning. if I or, just didn't give up those three home runs, it would have been a different outcome. Or if such and such, so-and-so wouldn't have been injured. Yeah. But when you look up all those numbers that we listed at the beginning of the podcast. That's a long time. And it's a nine-year stretch where you've allowed 500 more hits than any other American League team. Something is systematically wrong. And just to bring this all full circle, I don't know what the solution will look like in the end, but I like that Falvey and Levine are implementing right away specific drills and processes and a plan of some kind that will eventually fix this. And if you ask me right now, do you think they fix the pitching? Do you think this becomes a top 10 pitching organization in three or five years with these two guys at the helm? Gun to my head, I would say yes. Hmm. I think I would say yes. I think I would ask how the gunman got in because I'd rather not uh, wager my life on answering that question. It's a, it's going to be a hard turnaround. 
I mean, five years is an awfully quick time, especially if you don't really have the trade ammo. Um, I guess, the, you know, the Twins had a pretty good farm system, and now their top prospects have sort of just graduated, so they've maybe fallen out of that top five conversation. Um, but, you know, I don't see a lot of guys that I'd say, yeah, I'd trade him for pitching, yeah, I'd trade him for pitching. Again, one, one thing, yeah, to go that's ahead. That's why I would have traded Dozier this winter. He's a guy that I would say, yeah, I mean, I'm not going to replace him with a 40-homer second baseman, but... He's a good trade ship, and I think I could get an arm. But one thing to keep in mind, and this is the ultimate unknown, we tend with this organization to put ceilings on players and pitchers, specifically pitchers, because we've seen the top prospects flame out. We've seen, well, Kyle Gibson was a first-round pick, and look at him. He's no more than a number four starter. So what's the, why would Jose Barrios be any different? He was actually drafted after Kyle Gibson yeah. in a different draft, but he was drafted later than Kyle Gibson. So we tend to put these... Sure. These artificial ceilings on pitchers. Well, Cleveland, again, this is where Derek Falvey was born and raised from a baseball perspective. <laughs> Corey Kluber yeah, didn't right. have a cap. Cody Allen, their closer you're until right. they acquired Andrew Miller, was a 23rd-round pick. Sure. So not that all of your 23rd-round picks now should be looked at as, oh, the, all these guys are going to be closers now. Closer. Yeah. Up, but I think it's a new reality now in that Something was happening in Cleveland, and something was happening in Kansas City and St. Louis over the years, and San Francisco. If you get the right people and the right, whatever it is, process blueprint in place, you can start turning guys who weren't projected to be aces or closers into aces and closers. Sure. I will counter that argument. There's kind of my rebuttal if we're playing beer pong on... I agree with what you're saying, and I think the Twins are getting with the times or have caught up with the times. But there are other major league organizations who are also always getting better at this. The Cubs are not going to forget how to develop and, and make a great pitching staff. The Dodgers are not going to struggle to field an excellent pitching staff anytime over the next five years. Um, you know, you're just seeing these super teams that are also very good at developing prospects, and I'm just hesitant to say... Yes, 100%, Falvey is absolutely the answer. No question. He's the sole reason behind the Indians' success. I see him as a part of the Indians' success, and we'll see if it translates to the Twins. But bear in mind, too, that every organization knows that there's nothing more important than pitching, and they're all working hard to get ahead in this arms race. The Twins are starting from sort of... You know, it's like it's like there's a staggered start, and the Twins are starting from behind. Well, and there's the firing gun. Now we're off to the races. Let's see if the Twins can catch up. Uh, Patrick Royce is going to knock this door down very shortly, yes. so that means we should probably stop. I actually have one more uh, thing that could fix, help fix the Twins pitching. Um, and if Pat runs into me here in this door, then that'll make for a funny close. To yeah, the fire away. Twins catchers now are doing um, pitch running drills. Yeah, they have TC Bear gloves, right? They just have these massive gloves and the ump can't even see where the ball is. That was a strike, Joe West. Everything's a strike. That was a strike. Uh, Judd says he was charting pitches earlier today during batting practice and Jason Castro framed 1,700 pitches and all of them were strikes. Yeah, that's, that's going to help a lot. It's interesting that like, we can joke about this stuff as much as we want and I think we've probably talked too much about pitch framing this winter in Minnesota. But... If catchers can get better at that, and if Jason Castro is significantly better behind the plate than Kurt Suzuki, and the Twins have better outfield defense with a Byron Buxton, with a Max Kepler, maybe with an Eddie Rosario, instead of 
Oswaldo Arcia and Miguel Sano and a lot of Robbie Grossman and Danny Santana. These are things that you don't have to actually pitch better to make your pitching numbers look better. And then if you can pitch better on top of that, now you've got a compounding effect. And that's how I see the Twins taking a significant step forward in pitching this year. But keep in mind, we're comparing that to very bottom of the barrel from last season. So I think there's still a long way to go for them to totally fix the problem. Uh, you can find all of our coverage from down here, mostly Derek's spring training. And let's face it, if you're still listening at the end of this podcast, you freaking love the Twins. So you should check out Derek's Facebook page. Just search Derek Wetmore MLB, facebook.com slash Derek Wetmore MLB. I am Phil Mackey Radio, facebook.com slash Phil Mackey Radio. One final ask before we go, too. If you're not already subscribed to the Touch Em All podcast, what are you waiting for? You listen to this podcast all the time. You love it. You tell your friends about it. So help us out online. Give us an iTunes rating, preferably five stars. And if you could, just a quick little review about how much you like the podcast. Uh, that helps us reach more people, and it would be very much appreciated. And in your comments on the iTunes rating, if you could grade Derek and I on a 20 to 80 scouting scale on all of our potential skill sets, that would be uh, much appreciated.